Please join me in reading our scripture today from 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race the runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box as though beating the air, but I punish my body and enslave it, so that after proclaiming to others, I myself should not be disqualified. This is the word of God. You may be seated. So my name is Creighton. I'm your minister of discipleship here at Acts 2. I think this is my sixth or seventh Sunday. It's great. Um, it's, uh, for our new guests, welcome. Uh, we're continuing our sermon series on a relationship boot camp because like a workout boot camp where you go to, to get strength training and endurance training and flexibility training, we want to help you get training. We want to help our church family here train ourselves up so that our relationships can be as healthy and as whole and as life-giving as possible. Last week, we talked about assessing where we were in our relationships, and this week, we're going to talk about flexibility. Now, the reason we, we've, and we've jumped into this, and I think Acts 2 has done this almost every February, is because relationships are so important. The New York Times bestseller, uh, New York Times just kind of put out a, an essay, uh, kind of best of 2016, then it came out in January, and guess what the most most read article from the New York Times was about? Crisis in Syria, though important. The presidential election, though contentious. Uh, was it about Brexit? No, it was about relationships. The title of the article by Alan DeBottom, he's, he's an English philosopher, the title of the relationship is kind of discouraging. Why you will marry the wrong person. But I promise if you push through it, it's a great article. It really is a great article about, even about what we're going to talk about today, forgiveness. But relationships with everything that's going on in the world, we have this desire, we have this hunger for healthy, life-giving relationships. And that's what we wanted to talk today about. Not just marriages, we want to talk about relationships with our families, with our brothers and sisters, our parents, with our friends, our co-workers, because relationships matter. Friends, Jesus brought us into relationship with himself. And by doing that, he sent us out to be in relationship with the world so that they can know and experience the love of God by what we do uh, day in and day out, by what we say, by how we conduct ourselves. And so relationships matter. And so today we're going to talk about flexibility, kind of going off of the whole relationship boot camp thing, because flexibility matters. If you're strong, if you got all the strength in the world, and you can go as long as you want to. If you're, if you're tight, you may pull a hammy. So you got to stretch it out, right? Anybody who's ever been in, in, in athletics growing up, or if your kids are in athletics, what happens before every game? They stretch, right? They stretch. You see the whole little stretch, pre, pregame stretching routine because they got to warm the kids up. It even matters for, for, um, for professional athletes because they don't want, they, their whole job is about how they compete. My sister um, and her husband got invitations to the Super Bowl um, last week. And uh, she was she was sending us these kind of selfies with us. Uh, here we are on the field while they're stretching, you know. And I was totally jelly, sort of mostly jelly. But I mean, if, if it was the Dallas Cowboys, then I would have been completely jealous, right? But it's just the Patriots, so <laughs> just the Patriots. But there she is, still stretching. Athletes stretch because that's what keeps them in the game. Uh, and some athletes even take it to a whole new level. Like I think this is Randy with the Colts. I, see, I don't pay attention to much else but Dallas. So, but there he is. Look at this trainer. I mean, like, 
do you know that these two have a, a, a personal relationship? Because this guy's all up in his business, right? <laughs> but he's doing for him what he can't. There you go, stretching him out, getting him ready for the game. Even King LeBron, King LeBron, he's got someone who's stretching him to get him ready for the game, stretching him so that he can play at his peak performance. And then I don't know what's happening here. I just can't figure it out. But stretching, it matters. Flexibility matters. Friends, flexibility matters in our spiritual and our relational lives too. And what I believe this translates to is how we practice and how we allow forgiveness to impact our lives. Because if we're going to have the relationship God wants us to, if we're going to be the people God has called us to, we've got to practice the kind of forgiveness that Jesus speaks about in Matthew 18. And so that's where we are. Um, we're going we're gonna to dive into Matthew 18 and this conversation where Jesus is talking about forgiveness. And Peter, um, I don't know if he's trying to earn points or he just doesn't understand it, but he brings up a question about, about forgiveness that, that causes Jesus to uh, elaborate on what he's saying because Peter doesn't get it. Peter doesn't get what Jesus is saying. But let's listen into this conversation and see what it has for us today. Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, if any member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 70 times seven times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven will be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But the same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, and seized him by the throat, and he said, Pay me what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he could pay the debt. And when his fellow slaves saw that what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger his Lord handed him over to, the, to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So it, my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I don't think we understand at times what forgiveness looks like. I think we understand what we think forgiveness looks like, but I don't think we understand what forgiveness looks like. And that's where Peter is. That's where Peter is, and that's where we are, and that's what I wanted to talk with you about. I wanted to, if you would allow me, I, would, I want to stretch y'all a little bit when it comes to how we practice forgiveness. So are you ready? Take a deep breath. Here we go. Forgiveness. What does it look like? Peter, um, Peter uh, again, I don't know if he's trying to earn brownie points with Jesus or not, but Peter says, so how many times should I forgive my brother um, who sinned against me? Seven times? Uh, that's pretty good, right? If someone had hurt you, hurt you seven times and you forgave them, that would work. Most, most of us kind of have a, have a three-strike in your out rule, right? But Peter, it was seven. He was going to give it seven. Seven's a good holy number for the Jews. But Jesus looks at him and says, no, it's not, just about the, the, it's not just about seven times, but it's about as many as it takes. It's, it's, you know, most of us live kind of by the uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me kind of an attitude, right? But as Christians, the forgiveness that God gives us 
It, isn't, it hasn't been just once. I know that I haven't been, I know that, God, that Jesus has forgiven me and brought me and reconciled me on the cross, and that's once and for all and never to be repeated. But I know that as I go through my daily life, and I know that as I, as I stumble through the days, I seek his forgiveness for those things, times where I failed him. And he's never said, oh, no, you've reached your limit. You're done. No more. He's always, he's always seeking. He's always allowed us to, 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 to be reconciled, right? And somehow, though, we, we get to that point where we think if it's once or twice, maybe, but three or four or five times, here Jesus says to Peter, really kind of blowing, him out, blowing his perception out of the water, it's not just seven times, but 70 times seven, which is don't literally count to 490, and then they're done. But, but almost that, that idea of, no, as much as it takes, as long as it takes to be reconciled to your brother, to be reconciled to your, to your sister, there is no limit. There is no limit. True forgiveness has no limits. We might put a limit on him, but true forgiveness has no limits. But there's also a cost to it. So how much is unforgivable? What's the price tag on, on, on something that can't be forgiven? And now, when he talks about the king forgiving the talent here, this, the, the wicked slave, the one who was forgiven 10,000 talents, let me put that into modern-day perspective. That would be a talent would, is basically equal to a lifetime of wealth. It's a lot of money. It would be like a lottery jackpot. You couldn't spend it. Or maybe you, maybe you think, well, give me a chance. I'll try to spend it. <clears throat> it's a, it's a, ta- a talent is a lifetime's worth of wealth. And so this guy had a bar tab of 10,000 jack- lottery jackpots that he owed to this king. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But that's what the man had accrued. Now, what he, what he, what he did when he, when he was forgiven was he went out and grabbed his friend by the throat, his peer by the throat, who owed him... 100 denarii, denarii, which is basically 21,000. That's about, that's a good number, a good round number for us to get our minds around, which is still a lot of money, but if you're on the Dame Ramsey um, cheating intensity plan, you think you could pay that off, you know, like 21,000, I could probably pay that off in a year and get back, get back straight. Speaking some of y'all's language, that's good, that's good. We'll do Dame, we'll do Dame Ramsey's financial piece soon again, but comparatively, $21,000 versus $10,000 lottery jackpots. How much? How much, you, how much can you forgive? Some of us, some of us, our cost, the cost of forgiveness is too high because of what someone has done to us, and we want to make them pay. But when it comes to writing the check for it, can you really, do you really know how much someone needs to pay you for what they've done to you? Yeah, I don't know if you can write a check. I don't know if you can write the number down for it. But Jesus, when Jesus confronted Peter, and he's really challenging us, is it's not even the amount because whatever we think that we've lost or whatever we think it's cost us, God has suffered. God has, God has forgiven so much more. That's the kind of forgiveness you're talking about. And maybe this is the way that we think about forgiveness. For some of us, when it comes to forgiveness, and I say for some of us, and when I say us, I'm talking about me first. Um, with some of us, when we, when, we, when we forgive people, we forgive them, but we secretly write down their offenses in our, in our hidden file cabinet so that when they hurt us again, we can pull that back out and argue with them about it. No? Yes, I'm the only one? I'm, the, I'm, I'm trying to get rid of my filing cabinet. I really am. I was working with the board uh, and a couple of people who had had a two-and-a-half-year, three-year argument. Something had happened with an envelope that was um, intentionally hid from, some, from somebody else, and it caused all this rancor and all this, all this division. And every time we got together in this board and talked about it, somehow someone would get offended 
And then the whole, everybody would bring out their filing cabinets and talk about, you did this to me, and you did that to me, and blah, blah, blah. And I finally was talking to this one guy who I had more of a relationship with, and I went, man, don't you think that you're just going to need to forgive her and get rid of that list? I went, because every time we come to this meeting and something happens that you don't like or she's on the other side of, you bring out this filing cabinet and then it, this list, and then it's just a mess. I go, you got to get rid of that. They said, not only for your, not only for, for our, our, the work that we're trying to do here, but I think you got to do that for your health because it's, it's got to be wrecking you. We keep filing cabinets. We keep lists on people. But when it comes to God, when it, God, it says in Psalm 103, filing cabinets versus God saying, as far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sins. There's no way he's bringing it back up. He's buried it. He's gotten rid of it. He's not going to hit us again with it. He's not going to bring it back up in the argument. It's forgiven. It's done. Because that's who he is. Or maybe the way that we talk about forgiveness, so that we operate in forgiveness, maybe it's just a little bit above the way that we help our children uh, work out uh, apologies with each other. So for my kids, when they were little, I was insured an apology within 30 minutes. That's as long as it ever lasted. By making them hold hands until they could say it and at least look like they meant it, regardless if they meant it or not. That whole holding hands thing, it's awesome. Especially if it's in a public place. You know, uh, but it's like, okay, and then it's, you got, they got to say, say, I'm sorry for X. And then no other commentary. And then the other person is supposed to say, thank you, I forgive you, without any other commentary or rolling their eyes or something. But we, we've modeled it, or maybe I've imposed that kind of strategy with them to begin to understand it. But for us as adults, there's no one making us there's no one, or maybe, let me say this, there's no one helping us apologize and reconcile with each other over big and small things. And we need it. We need it because when you're hurt, or I know that when I get hurt or when I get offended, it's the last thing that I want to do to, to try to find a way to make it right. Or when I've done something wrong, I'm embarrassed or I feel guilty about it. It's hard to go to someone and ask them for forgiveness but that's what we need to do. We've got to go beyond the elementary school holding hands and making them apologize to actually taking responsibility for what he's called us to to make our relationships right. We've got to live into a forgiveness that restores the relationships around us because he has forgiven us so that we can be in right relationship with him. But it doesn't just stop there. He's not just interested in this vertical relationship, God with, with his each individual creation. He wants to see that lived out among us. And here's the stretch. Here's a part that, that's been stretching me all week. Um, and, I, and I'll summarize it this way. God's love is unconditional. He loves us. He has he, he, he's pursued us and sought us and to bring us back home. He is the father who's waiting for each prodigal son and daughter and even the elder brother pounding in the dark to be back with him. He will do anything and has done everything to see us come back home. But when it comes to forgiveness, when it comes to his forgiveness, we cannot truly experience that for ourselves if we will not forgive other people. And so I I would summarize God's love is unconditional, but his forgiveness is conditional upon us giving it to others. A lot of words. It's conditional. It's conditional based on how we forgive those around us. Because it's not possible to receive a 10,000 lottery jackpot gift with all that it's intended and still hold on to the $21,000 debt with our friends. It just doesn't make sense. 
And he says this in Matthew 18 at the end of this parable. Uh, so your heavenly father will also do to every one of you, with this throwing the, the wicked servant into, the, into jail, if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. That was, a, that was the thing. He's like, this forgiveness is dependent, you understanding God's forgiveness for yourself is dependent upon you forgiving others around you. Are you, are you feeling stretched yet? Matthew 6. The only commentary that Jesus gives after teaching us the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, is he says this. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Only commentary on the prayer. And yet he's saying to us that for his forgiveness to become real, for us to understand what it's really about, we have to practice it among our relationships here. Those we've hurt and then with those who have hurt us. And Paul picks us up in Colossians 3, 13, where he says, Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, almost, so you also must forgive. God's forgiveness is conditional upon how we practice it in our lives. And I say that knowing that, um, knowing, I mean, knowing how we hurt each other knowing the hurt that, that we've received. Um, being in ministry for 20 years, even, even campus ministry, I've heard enough of, of how people, how, how inventive at times people can be and how mean they can be to each other. I get it. I get the hurt that's out there. But for our sake, for our family's sake, for the witness of the church, we have to be people who courageously practice the forgiveness of God with those around us. We have to be a forgiving people for us to be all that he's created us to be. We have to lean into it, even if we don't feel it. And, that, and it's good, when, it, it's good when, you, when, it, when you feel it, but even when we don't feel it, we've got to lean into it because that's how his forgiveness becomes real to those around us. It goes real in our lives and real to those around us. So I think there's some implications. I think there's some action steps for us here um, to remember that, uh, that it's, not possible to, it's not possible to truly experience God's forgiveness while, while, holding, while being unforgiven to others. It's not truly possible to experience God's forgiveness while holding on to unforgiveness with others. We've got to settle it up. We've got to let them go but more importantly, I think we have, to, we have to allow ourselves to be freed from it. So what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is, if, you're, if you are in a place where you're getting hurt, don't forgive them and stay there and keep getting hurt. That's not what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. Be safe. I'd want you to be safe. We would want you to be safe. But when it comes, to, when it comes down to when, after that need is met, what we don't want to see, what I don't want to see for anyone, for, for me, for my family, for my kids, for y'all, is to, see, to be locked, in a, locked in, a, in a cell of unforgiveness because it's only toxic to you. It hurts you. Instead of, and, and it keeps you from becoming who you're supposed to be. Now, when it comes to people who've hurt you, that's hard. Uh, especially when they've let you down and they've disappointed you. I mean, that, that's hard. I mean, we saw this just the other night, right? <laughs> Cupcake. 
But friends, forgiveness allows us to uh, allows us to wish him the best, but keep living our lives because we're going to be okay. We're going to be more than okay uh, because we have the one who we have the God of the universe and our Father who is calling us to live into in a life that uh, life that we could never imagine without him. We've got to forgive and move forward. And that's the trick. Forgive and move forward. I had a guy who, um, uh, I had a a guy who broke from our troop, from my son's troop uh, this year, and really was pretty ugly to our scoutmaster. And um, my scoutmaster was handling it with grace and and dignity, but I was mad. And I wanted, I wanted to, uh, I wanted revenge. I mean, that's the best way to say it. I didn't like these guys anymore. We'd sp- I'd spent 18 months with, with their sons and, and working, working them through the rank and their ranks, and all of a sudden, they're, they're going to start this, ne- this other troop because of whatever. It was really personality conflict. But I spent, um, they, that happened in June, and I spent this December at winter camp in, uh, in Bromide, Oklahoma, walking around those guys and their troop. And after about the second day, I was like, man, I can't. I got to forgive them because it makes me mad every time I see them. It makes me mad every time I look at them. doesn't mean I want to work with them again, but I need to forgive them because I've got to move on. That's the thing. Who are you holding on to? What offense or what hurt are you holding on to that you need to forgive so that God can help you move forward, to get you unstuck, to get you out of the past and into what he has for you now? We've got to move forward. And the last thing that I would say for us to gather here today is we've got to start today. This isn't, a, this isn't an action step for tomorrow. This isn't an action step for next week. I know there's someone on your heart who you need to ask their forgiveness or you need to, you need to forgive, whether that person be alive in, this, in, in, in the room or across the country or maybe even someone who has hurt you and is dead now. But I know that there's someone that you need to seek forgiveness and reconciliation with in a way that helps you, helps you uh, become who you're supposed to be. Uh, you got to start today. It's, it's too late to wait a day. It's too late to wait, um, to wait a, a week or a year. And it's too late to wait 20. My, my twin, I have a twin, an identical twin who lives in Austin. Uh, we, um, we, we've always, in the last seven years, we've done Christmas at my sister's house um, outside of Austin, Texas. And our habit became, whenever we had gone to bed, me and Carlin were up, shooting the bull, whatever, uh, around the fire pit, uh, just, just catching up. But after about the second or third year, it turned into, um, he, he, started, he started, I don't know what he was going for, but he wasn't very good at it. But in about the fourth year, he really just came out and said, man, I need to ask you forgiveness uh, for this and this and this and this. And what was amazing about it and what was tragic about it was, it was all stuff that happened in high school. I mean, we're 20, year, we're 20 years older at that point. I mean, there, there had been a lot of time wasted. Um, and as he's, as he's confessing to me and, I, and, and being astute enough and aware enough to realize where I needed to confess to him as well, um, I just finally got to the point. I said, hey, man, I love you and I want to be right with you. I said, but, but are you telling me that it's this junk from high school that has kept us from, it kept us from kept us apart. That has kept our kids from getting to know each other. That has kept us from going on vacations together, or have you know has, has kept this 
this coldness between us? And he goes, yeah, man, I've just been carrying it around. And I'm like, dude, we done. We, we got to be done with this. And I go, if we need to talk more, we'll talk more. But we got to be done with it because I don't want to waste another year with you. I don't want to waste another year with you. Who is it in your life that you're wasting time holding on to forgiveness, unforgiveness with? Who, who in your life is it that, that you need to pursue or that you need to man up or woman up and, and ask for their forgiveness? Because, friends, we can't be who we're called to be if we're tight and, and, or if we're tight and, and, and all worked up and can't, can't live out his forgiveness for those around us. I wonder who that is. It's got, whoever it is, it's got to start today. It's got to start today. You deserve and they deserve to be freed from that.